This is Take a Bow, the show exploring anything and everything around Asian food. I'm Lo Yijun. Before we get on with today's episode, I have an announcement to make. This episode will be the last one for season one of Take a Bow. And I know it's been really quick and eight episodes have flown by in a flash. But I just want to thank all of you for coming onto this journey with me. And I hope you enjoyed exploring all these fun facets of Asian food that rarely gets told. From our very first episode, diving headfirst into the funky world of durians, to learning about chetty food back in episode 5, to drooling over salted eggs, rice, and kueh in between. I hope you thoroughly enjoyed all these stories. And I'm just so glad and grateful to have you listening in and getting excited about all these foods that mean a whole lot to me. But don't fret, in the coming months, I'll be researching and finding more of these stories to tell. And I really can't wait to share more details with you closer to the date. But while you're waiting, you can always keep up to date with the food things I get up to on social media or on my blog, Jun and Tonic. I included the link in the show notes just in case. But I just want to thank you all for being here with me. Anyway, onwards with today's episode. Now I'm super excited about this one because it's going to be an interesting, experiential audio journey for all of you. I wanted to end the season on a calm, zen note, especially with the pandemic and injustice and just all the craziness that has been happening across the world in 2020. So I thought it would be fitting to share with you a really warm and comforting tea brewing and cupping session I attended with one of the most knowledgeable tea connoisseurs in my home country of Malaysia. So today's episode is going to be a bit lighter on the history and culture front, and it'll really be more about the act of drinking and appreciating tea, and the conversation that happens around it. Personally, for me, drinking and learning about tea turned out to be a timely reminder to keep calm and be a little more mindful during this turbulent time. And my hope is that through listening to this episode, you too will feel the calming power of tea. And join me in learning and seeking some life advice from a cup of tea. The story begins a few weeks ago, when I went out for the first time in a long time, after being cooped up at home for the past few months. And one of the first places I went to was this tea shop called Dana Dan Air. It's owned by Xiao Fei, a tea connoisseur in the truest sense, with years of experience brewing and learning about tea. Her quaint little tea bar, Dana Dan Air, literally translates to earth and water in Malay. And it's in this quiet little neighborhood apartment block known as Happy Mansion, which is 30 minutes from the heart of Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia's capital. So I went on a drive one day and just popped by her place. Okay, I'm just in the car now, just parked. I'm right outside Dana Dan Air, a uh, tea shop, and I'm going to learn more about tea today. So let me put on my mask. Okay, my sound a bit muffled. Right, let's go. Oh, 
Oh, there's a... My favorite Chando place is here. It's in the morning, so shops are slowly opening. Oh, you're here. Hi, Xiaofei. How are you? I walked into Xiaofei's tea shop and was told to take off my shoes and put them by the door. I then walked up to the bar counter and just plopped myself there as I watched Xiaofei put the kettle on and prepare her tea for the day. On the shelves are all her little teapots, from large porcelain ones with intricate motifs to tiny clay teapots that can only serve one cup. And they had all these Chinese characters carved on it. And when you walk in, there was the subtle scent of tea in the air. Now, if all this sounds really cozy and warm, that's because Xiaofei set up her shop to be more like a home than a shop. And when you step foot into it, you would immediately feel welcomed and put at ease before you even start drinking her tea. And tea was what we were there for. And let's talk about that for a minute. Because when it comes to tea, I'm sure everyone has different expectations of this drink. Internationally, there are many types of tea that are very popular. And you must have heard plenty of them. English breakfast, Earl Grey, Darjeeling, chamomile, mint tea, or even Japanese green tea or matcha. These are all really well-known commercial teas and are widely available in supermarkets across the world. But the teas that Xiaofei drinks and serves and the ones that we'll be tasting today are Chinese teas. And Chinese teas are in a class of their own. So I started by asking Xiaofei a simple question that, as you hear, she totally flipped on me. Okay, so just as an uh, introduction to... Chinese tea. What is tea in the Chinese sense? What do you think? <laughs> I mean, there's a way I ask like uh, very first question that people come for class like what is tea? What do you think, June? What is tea for you? Mm. So it's always actually I'm, I'm, I'm in a tea workshop or tea lesson right now. Hmm, what is tea? I guess tea is a drink that is brewed from Leaves <laughs> of a certain plant. I know is that is that too boring? <laughs> but what what is tea to to you? Uh, actually, a lot of people think like tea is just hot water with uh, with a plant, but this plant it must be Camellia sinensis, and only the tea that you make from this plant can be called tea. So that means like all your other tea like rose, lavender, um, rooibos. They are actually not considered as tea. Yes, there are plenty of teas out there. Some are made by steeping flowers like chrysanthemum and rose. Others are made from herbs and spices like mint and masala tea. But when it comes to tea in the traditional sense, especially in the world of Chinese teas, they have to be made from the leaves of a specific species of plant called Camellia sinensis. You might think then that what we can call tea is a much smaller subset than what we initially thought. But even with this narrower definition, there's actually a whole range of teas out there with different varieties and processing methods giving rise to vastly different flavours and aromas. In the Chinese tea pantheon, there is actually more than 100, I think it may be close to 1,000 different types of tea. Yeah, because uh, China is such a big region, so every small place they will produce their own tea, uh, different way of making, 
they have a different kind of variety. So it's come out like a more than 100 or even close to 1,000 different type of tea. Uh, but then this 1,000 type of tea, it's actually categorized into six main type of tea, which is uh, you have a green tea, white tea, yellow tea, oolong tea, black tea, and dark tea. Okay, so there are these six main categories. But what makes all these categories unique, besides their obvious difference in color? What makes it into different into these six types is actually the processing. So a different way of processing, you make it into different tea. So you may ask like a Long Jing Cha. Long Jing is a green tea. Uh, can you make it into black tea? Actually, if you process it into a black tea way, Long Jing can be black tea as well. So it's just a different way of process and make it into different tea. So in this process, there will be a different degree of fermentation. So different degree of fermentation, it will give us like a the very different tasting profile. Like green tea, we call it, it is a non-fermented tea. Uh, when you go to a bit uh, slightly fermented, which is a white tea, and then you go to a higher fermentation will be yellow tea, and then higher will be oolong, and then full fermented tea will be your black tea. Uh, but dark tea is actually is not under this fermentation category. Dark tea is a man-made way to use a microorganism activity to post-fermented tea. Uh. Mm. Now, that is just a snapshot of the wide-ranging world of tea. We won't dive into the specific differences between all these types of tea on this episode, but I'll include some links on the Take About website if you'd like to learn more. But for the rest of the episode, we'll just let Xiaofei guide us through a tea tasting, and we'll learn how to taste and describe tea, and also just savor this moment of calm while easing ourselves back into post-pandemic life. And I invite you to just imagine as if you're there with us drinking and sipping on tea. Although I apologize for the audio at some parts, it gets a bit wavy just because I only had one mic and I'm still getting used to shifting it around as I recorded the pouring of the tea and also my conversation with Xiaofei. But anyway, after her quick primer into the different categories of tea, Xiaofei brought out four different types of tea and scooped them out from these ornate jars and tea canisters and gently placed them onto these small wooden trays and introduced them to me. Today we're going to drink uh, green tea, a type of green tea from uh, Guizhou, Guizhou Lü Cha. Um, number two is oolong tea. This oolong tea is a uh, rou gui, it's a uh, Wuyi Mountain rou gui, Zheng Yan rou gui. And uh, black tea is actually Lapsang Souchong, Lapsang Souchong black tea, which is a smoky black tea. And the last one is a Liu Bao, it's a dark tea. Okay, so we can start. So Xiaofei started by pouring some boiling water over the teacups and utensils just to clean them. Then she poured out the water and put the tea leaves in with more hot water. As the tea was steeping and a stream of steam wafts up between us, Xiaofei told me about the brewing method she was using, 
which is a classic Chinese technique called Gai Wan. Gai Wan is like a cup with a lid. Mm. Mm. Gai Wan method is actually an old method of brewing. It was commonly used last time during Qing Dynasty at the northern part of uh, China. So it can be like a brewing utensil and it also a uh, drinking utensil. Mm. It means you can use it as a cup and just drink it that way. Right. Mm. Essentially, Gaiwan involves a cup or a bowl placed on a saucer and covered with a lid. It acts almost like a teapot in a sense. Only instead of a pot, it's just a cup with a lid. So in this cup, you put your tea leaves and hot water, then cover it and let it steep away. And as Xiaofei said, when the tea is done, you can actually decant it into a separate cup or drink it straight from the large Gaiwan cup itself. So this way of brewing actually is one of the cheaper utensils. If you're as a beginner and you want to brew tea, uh, it's actually the one of the cheapest and nice to use utensils for brewing mm. Mm, because it doesn't take away flavor. So you retain the flavor well. It's a very rudimentary technique for brewing tea. And it's especially popular for brewing really delicate teas because it retains all these flavor notes of the tea without altering it, like a clay teapot would. So when the tea is done brewing in the gaiwan, Xiaofei poured the brewed green tea out into two tiny porcelain teacups, drawing it high while holding the lid against the top of the cup so the leaves don't spill out. Then, we drank. And even when it comes to drinking tea, there's a proper technique and etiquette to savor the tea. How do you how do you drink tea? Is there a particular way? Because you know, like when people drink like wine or coffee, they like slurp it and make a really big noise. But do can you do the same for tea? Uh, for tea drinking, you actually you can slurp it to the upper part of your tongue, uh, like. And you let the flavor linger at the upper part of your tongue. Then you swallow it, and you sort of like feel the front flavor of the tea, and the aftertaste. Okay, so I followed suit. I slurped the tea, and here's my reaction. Okay, let me try this. Should I try describing the notes? <laughs> And you can tell me whether I'm right or wrong. <laughs> okay, so when I slurp it to the roof of my mouth, that's kind of like a almost like an astringent taste or like a mix, yeah, a bit of bitterness and makes it your the roof of your mouth like pucker up a bit. But in terms of fragrance, it's very. I think it's quite like green. <laughs> I, I, I'm terrible at describing tea, but um, yeah. So okay, at this point, you're probably thinking, oh my god, Jun, what on earth are you talking about? The roof of your mouth puckering up and it smells green? Those are terrible descriptions. But luckily, Xiaofei swooped in to help. How would you describe this tea? Uh, this tea, it has, a, it has a very bean taste, like a green bean. Ah. Like mug bean, oh. like mug bean flavor, True. and another thing you call it xian. It's like a 
when you eat seafood, there's a very fresh seafood, the kind of freshness. Right. Notes of mung bean and seafood freshness. Now, that is a whole lot more precise and descriptive than just bitter and green. <laughs> and I did get that sense of an earthy mung bean sort of taste from it, actually. And as you'll hear later on, I do pick things up pretty quickly, and I promise you my descriptions do get a lot better. Or, well, more interesting at least. But anyway, as we sipped on the tea, we got talking about the history of tea. And Xiaofei shared some pretty interesting tea facts. So like in, I guess in the West and in like the UK, right? The way their teas are and the way they drink tea is very different. And one of the biggest ways that it's different is sometimes they have it with milk. What's your, what's your take on that? Uh... For thousands of years, Chinese have been drinking tea without milk. I mean, last time, like maybe during Tang Dynasty, they were drinking it with salt, with pepper, with chili. Oh! <laughs> they will cook the tea. Oh. So that is like almost make it into a soup. That is a tea drinking of the Tang Dynasty. But after that, uh, the way that we're brewing now, this actually started from Qing Dynasty. So it's always drinking it on its own, uh, without adding any sugar. We want to taste like different uh, flavors just on its own. So that's a special thing about Chinese tea. Now just for some perspective, the Tang Dynasty existed during the 7th century AD. And during this time, tea was drunk for its medicinal qualities, as well as like a soup with the addition of salt and spices. And as Yafei said, the modern way Chinese tea is drunk nowadays, just steeping the leaves in hot water without the addition of anything else, originated almost a thousand years after the Tang Dynasty, during the Qing Dynasty. Uh, but why Westerners, they drink tea with uh, sugar and milk? It tied back to like a opium war. So when people from the West brought tea uh, from China to the UK, at first they drink it on its own. But later on, when the demand become higher, uh, British India company, uh, they start planting tea in, in India. But the tea that produced from this area, it doesn't carry that much of a layer of flavor. Of course, at the same time, British also planted sugarcane. I think it's in Africa or somewhere, or Kenya. So to sell this both community back to UK, they introduced a wave of uh, tea drinking with sugar mm-hmm. and with milk. So you store like uh, adding sugar and milk, is to make it taste nicer. And as we were sipping on the first cup of tea, Xiaofei poured in more hot water into the gaiwan and let it steep for the second round. Then she poured it out again, and we sipped on the second brew, which, surprisingly, tasted quite different from the first. Oh, it tastes really different now. Mm. There's a bit of like a... There's one like a Japanese, like the umami sort of mm. taste. Oh. Okay, I cut out the audio bit here because my description was just that, basically. Just umami and that's it. So clearly my skill in describing tea was still lacking. So I asked Xiaofei for a crash course in describing tea better. If you want to really learn about tea, uh, we say that it's like a five elements you have to look into from the beginning until the end. Uh, number one, it's the, the dried leaf. 
what's the shape, what's the color, the smell of it. Number two, it's uh, the smell, the aroma of the tea. Uh, number three is the flavor. And the four is the color of the infusion. And last is the used leaf. Ah, yeah. okay. Now, armed with a better knowledge on how to taste and describe tea, we moved on to the second tea, an oolong tea. The second tea we're going to drink is uh, oolong tea. <coughs> so this is a wee mountain oolong tea. So you can look at the tea leaf, it's actually it's like a longish, <coughs> bigger leaf. The color is like a brown, dark brown, and a little bit of dark green. <coughs> mm. Hmm. In terms of the fragrance, would you say it's more like there's a bit more floral? There's a mm. bit of floralness to it. Floralness, fruitiness. Um, mm. Floral at the front, fruity at the back. Mm. The fruitiness is after you swallow, the lingering aftertaste. Mm. Yeah, and this one is a lot less uh, bitter or astringent than, than the first green tea that we had. And I guess it tastes more like a familiar yeah. Chinese tea taste. But what's uh actually talk to me about like oolong tea? What makes oolong tea special? There are many many stories about why is it called oolong. Uh, I remember one of it. It's someone who's supposed to process the tea when it is uh, to make it to green tea, but then maybe he is drunk and then he overslept. And then he forgot to process his tea. Then the leaf he leave in the basket to go through his own fermentation. Uh-huh. And then the next time when he realized, oh shit, I'm late to process the tea, then he quickly throw it into the fire. Then the outcome is like, eh, this is something actually quite nice. It's different. Uh-huh. So this process in Chinese we'll call it oolong. Ma. Like by oolong, that means you make a mistake. Oh. Yeah. So it's almost like a like a mistake tea. <laughs> Just like the French apple pie, tartatan, and like Massimo Batura's famed dish he calls, oops, I dropped the lemon tart, oolong tea was said to be born out of a mistake. Legend has it, there was this tea picker who forgot to process his tea one afternoon, and by the time he got to it, it was left out too long and was oxidized too much to be a white or yellow tea. But because tea was his livelihood, he still prepared it and brewed it into tea, resulting in a stronger, more punchy tea that was the very first oolong. But speaking of interesting names and etymology, as Yafei poured out the oolong tea for the second brew, I asked her about her current favourite tea. And she told me about a tea with the wildest name. Dark shit aroma. Did you catch that? Dark shit aroma. As called? in dark shit, D U C K S H I T. Do you what? Why? <laughs> what? That's such an interesting tea name. Wait, wait. You have to tell me more about this tea. What? Yeah, it's called dark shit aroma. It's a oolong tea that is from Teochew, uh, Guangdong province. So, um, the flavor is really like very creamy, vanilla like. Oh, I, I, for a moment, I thought you were going to talk about the uh, flavor like dark shit. <laughs> it doesn't taste like dark shit at all. But then it has an interesting story behind this tea uh, where the farmer who found this variety, 
uh, it was in front of his house, and then when he make into tea, it tastes very nice. But he doesn't want his neighbor to steal his tea. So when people ask him, "Hey, what is the name of this tea?" He said, "Oh, this one dark shade aroma." No? <laughs> then the neighbor is like, "Oh, you leave the tree alone." So <laughs> that's why the tea they got it this name. Now that is a tea I'd love to try just for the sake of it. Next, the third tea we drank is one of my favorites, Lapsang Suchong. It's a typically smoky tea with a scent of burnt pine wood imbued into it. And it's said to originate from the Wuyi Mountain area in China. The tea is uh, black tea. This is Lapsang Suchong. So you can see the tea leaf is very small and tiny. Lapsang is a tea that you either like it or you hate it. Mm. Is there is there a story behind how this uh, tea came to be? Did someone like accidentally burn something? <laughs> uh, yes, also. Oh, really? Uh, history say that, I mean, the story say that how Lapsang tea they will smoke it in pine wood. It's also someone forgot about their tea uh. and let it go further fermented. So when they realize it. It is like a become like full fermented tea. Um, their location is actually in like a fine pine wood forest. Uh. So one day available around there is pine wood. So they just light pine wood and fire, and just quickly uh, dry the tea leaf. So dry the tea leaf also stop all the fermentation process, and in the process the tea leaf absorb flavor for pine wood. Mm. Then, like hey, this tea with pine wood tastes nice. Uh. And like before, Xiaofei poured out the tea, and we commented on it. Very smooth, huh? Mmm. Oh, the smell surprised me though. It's not like directly smoky. It's like, hmm. I don't know what smell it's it is. Like the sweet notes at the top, but underlying there is like a smoky flavor uh, come together with it. It's almost like a it's almost like a whiskey barrel sort of smell. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now I've gone and done it. I went a little too crazy with my descriptions there. <laughs> but again, we have Xiaofei to thank for something a bit more coherent. Okay, so what's your evaluation of this tea? Uh. I think this, I not often drink it this way. I also, I always make it like a multiple brew. Mm. So brewing it this way is like, you're making the first three brew come into one brew. So it's really nice that you drink it this way. It's actually quite surprised me also. Mm. <laughs> that is uh, the sweetness. It's almost like you're drinking like a red date, mm. like hong zhao tang, like a very thick red date soup with a bit of like um, smoky underlying. And so when it comes to tea, like filter coffee, the flavours of tea can be drastically different depending on many factors like the brewing method, the temperature, the batch of tea, and even what you had to eat before in the day. Case in point, even Xiaofei was surprised at the smoothness of this Lapsang Suchong, which she's brewed countless times before. But just by changing up the brewing method, and steeping it for longer, the flavor and texture of the tea changed entirely. 
Now we have to mention so far, we've only been having each tea for two brews. But it's very typical of Chinese teas to be brewed for more rounds. For Xiaofei, the ideal brewing amount is four rounds, which she believes brings out the best in tea. And so as she poured out the second brew of this Lapsang Suchong, we started talking about the different brews of tea, and surprisingly, how it can be a reflection of our lives. I just thought of this like a few days ago, like, hmm, actually tea also, like a human, you've been through like different stages. Um, especially like when we're brewing the tea, usually when I brew in the tea house, I will make like several brews. First brew, second brew, third brew, and fourth brew. So the taste of every brew will be different. So I also feel like, ah, this is actually just like uh, human. We go to different stages of life. Uh, at the first brew, the flavor is very light, sometimes very jumpy, sometimes unpredictable. That is like when you are a teenage. At the second brew, usually the flavor will be most beautiful during the second brew. Um, the aroma will be nice, the flavor will be nice. This is almost like when you're in your 20s, when you have everything of you to give, the most beautiful time in your life. And then during the third brew, you still get a lot of the like, flavor, but then it will be more um, settled down. This is like when you're in your 30, 40 years. And then the last brew, usually a lot of the aroma, the flavor will gone. But sometimes you will get the kind of the sweetness. This is like in your later age of life. Like all the passion, all the energy has gone. Of course, sometimes it will be a bit tasteless. Of course, it's not as flavorful as the first round. But then you can still taste a lot of subtlety, uh, mineral taste when it is more diluted. So I think we also have to learn how to appreciate the different stages of tea. Mmm, that is quite profound. And just like the different phases of life, the different brews of tea can taste and feel dramatically different in your mouth. So next time you brew out a pot of tea, try not to let the tea leaves just sit in the hot water all at once. Steep it for a minute or two, or maybe even less, then drink that and enjoy the flavor. Then add in more hot water for the second round, pour it out and drink it again. And you'll probably realize that the flavor has changed. And so do the same for multiple rounds and notice how the flavor progresses with each brew and appreciate it a little bit more. And as fun and meandering as this tea session has been, all good things must come to an end. And so we came to the final tea of the day, a dark tea called Liu Bao. I think Liu Bao originally is the name of a variety. Uh, the record of it is already lost. I don't know why they call it Liu Bao. Oh. Mm, the record already lost. But traditionally, Liu Bao in Malaysia is a tea that we're very familiar with. Mm-hmm. It's a, a worker's tea. You know Malaysia was like a tin mining place mm-hmm. uh, last time. So people were working in like, tin mining in Ipoh, in Perak area. Um, they like to drink Liu Bao because it's almost like a medicine for them. You know, the worker, they work in the mining, they were deep underground, um, they were work in very cold, very wet environment. So, the drink Liu Bao is to get rid of the sub hay. Hui sub hay. 
I don't know how to translate into English. <laughs> like to put simply, this Cantonese term sabhe has to do with traditional Chinese medicinal practices, where certain ingredients, in this case, this tea, is thought to be able to regulate the qi or spirit of the body and prevent illnesses. Okay, shall we taste this one? It's really dark. It's the darkest one. It smells like something Japanese. <laughs> what is a something Japanese? I don't know. It smells like something familiar from a Japanese restaurant. Japanese. <laughs> I'm thinking like maybe does it smell like? Hmm. It's a very very light smell, and so it reminds me of the uh, grated radish that they give okay. you to you with like sushi or sashimi or whatnot. Okay. It smells a bit like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the daikon. Yeah, yeah, the grated daikon. Just the smell. The taste is nothing like that, but I don't know. <laughs> do you do you get it? Yeah, yeah I know what you mean. Uh. Okay, okay. I promise you that was the last of my outlandish descriptions. But as terrible as my descriptors have been, I guess I finally got Xiaofei to agree with me, eh? So that's quite something. <laughs> But as we sipped on the Liu Bao tea, and as Xiaofei brewed the eighth and final cup of the day, she dispensed some life lessons, which she's learned from her years of drinking tea. From the past, what I learned the most was how to, how to slow down and how to pay attention into details. So details in life and also in everything that you are doing. Before I uh, join into like tea brewing, I'm actually a very easy angry, very frustrated person, who someone who drive on the road and curse everyone. <laughs> <laughs> but then with uh, tea brewing, it sort of like helped me to to slow down, um, to see things differently, like more tolerance. I would say, more tolerance. Um, yeah, but up till today, I still feel like I learned a lot from tea. Yeah. And so after after you started drinking tea, you no longer curse when you drive. Or you no longer have road rage. <laughs> I still do sometimes, but it had reduced like eighty <laughs> percent. I try to yeah, but I feel myself less angry mm. Mm, on daily life. I'm 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 feeling it right now. And maybe we could all benefit from a bit of that right now. Slowing down, becoming more mindful, and just being more appreciative of life. Personally, I have many moments of impatience, of anger and frustration as well. But after this tea session with Xiaofei, I did find myself slowing down and just becoming a little more self-aware, even though it was just for that one afternoon. And with that, We've come to the end of our episode. And I know it might seem like I'm placing a lot of power on this tea and making things sound overly poetic. But I really do believe tea and food in general has this connection with so many aspects of our lives. I mean, throughout the past eight episodes and throughout this whole season of this podcast, I hope you felt that too. From learning about food and how it touches on politics, heritage and culture, hearing about how it connects people from different communities and countries. And today, although you didn't actually drink any tea, I hope just listening and sharing in this tea experience with me helped you become a little more connected with yourself and the world.
and it has encouraged you to feel and think a little more deeply about tea, about food, and about life. Thank you for listening to Take A Bow. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a food friend or two who you know loves Asian food, or even those who don't. You might just change their mind. Now, as mentioned in the beginning, this is the final episode of season one of Take A Bow, but you can find all of our previous episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening to this. And if you can, do leave a review to help more people find the show. And many thanks to those who have already reviewed the show, one of whom is PM681 from the UK, who said, Take a bow is a perfect peach of a podcast. Oh, I'm loving the alliteration right there. But PM681 continues and says, Jun is such a wonderfully inquisitive, thoughtful host, exploring Asian food culture without reducing it to simple narratives. I have learned so much already and I'm hooked. Thank you so much, PM681, for the radiant rave review. Thank you. Take a bow is hosted and produced by me, Lo Yijun. Thanks for this episode goes to Xiaofei for allowing me to come by her tea shop to drink tea and record this show. And special thanks also to Magdalene Wong, who designed our album art. And finally, most of all, thank you for listening to this podcast. Because without your support and your interest, this show wouldn't exist in the first place and definitely wouldn't be able to continue. So I thank you sincerely from the most delicious corners of my heart to yours. I'll be back in a few months' time with many more food stories to share. But until then, I hope you all stay safe, stay strong, and eat well. And for the final time this season, this is Jun, bowing out.